Well, good morning, Oakwood. Welcome as we uh, begin a new series today called The Way, Finding Personal Direction in Life, Discovering Your Personal Direction in Life. You know, uh, we have these devices, and, and I don't like to bring mine out because some of you are ornery and you like to text me. Uh, while I'm preaching, and so I don't bring mine out. I usually leave it back there, but, you know, cell phones are a wonderful thing. If you remember, and you're kind of old school like me, do you remember when GPS came out? Global positioning system, do you remember that? And and uh, you had these devices. I had a Garmin Nuvi, is what it was called, and I had one of these, and it had a suction cup, and you stuck it um, on your window in your car, and then they became, you know, these little mats, and they put a little, you know, mat holder, you know, on your dashboard because the suction cup did what? It always came off, right? Every time it was hot or cold, it came off, and come to your car, and it's on the floor. But you have these devices, and it wasn't a part of your phone back then. So like you had to have a separate device. And what was weird about them is they'd only uh, hold so much information, it had to be updated all the time. So you had to bring it in the house and hook it up to USB and download the new maps. Now, if you were traveling to another region, like, like if you were going up to Michigan or going out to California, uh, you had to actually download the maps for that uh, region and, and, and load those to your device actually before uh, you went on your trip. And so today it's amazing, isn't it? That we have these phones that are constantly updating the maps. You don't have to download anything to them. They download themselves. And uh, it's an amazing thing. But there's one thing that has not changed in today's GPS with your cell phone, the same as it was um, even back then if you had a separate device. And that's this thing is when you are going on a route and you know the direction that you're going, and then all of a sudden you veer from that and you decide you're going to go, you know, I might save some time and I'm going to take a left up here and go this way. What does the lady always say? Recalculating, right? You remember hearing that? Recalculating. I remember one time I was driving down to Oklahoma City and I, I was trying to bypass some construction, some traffic, and I had it on GPS. And I just remember the lady was like recalculating. And she probably recalculated for like 20 minutes. And I remember I was, I was with Amy and I just remember her being like, can you turn that thing off? I mean, do we really need this? You know, we know how to get to Oklahoma City. Let's turn it off, you know. And, uh, and, and sometimes I think in life, um, as we're finding our direction, it seems like some of us have these times, these moments or these seasons where we find ourselves recalculating. Have you ever, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever felt that? Is that you find that, that you're recalculating? Some of you can think of somebody in your family or a friend that seems like they've been recalculating for a long time, right? I mean, they just seem to have no sense of direction at all. They just, you know, just like recalculating, recalculating. And that's helpful that they recalculate the route, but the whole point of GPS is to what? It's to set off in a direction, and you follow the directions, and you follow the way, and then you get to your destination. And that's what we're talking about today in your life is, is your destination. Where do you want to end up in life? And, and we're going to learn that Jesus is the way. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, I'd like for you to turn to John chapter 14. So John's gospel, you go to the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The last of the Gospels, John chapter 14. Give you a little bit of background here. Uh, this is the Upper Room Discourse, is what this is known as, uh, John 13 through 17. Uh, Jesus is actually in the Upper Room with his disciples. He's washed their feet. Um, he's about to install Holy Communion for the very first time. But in this time, he's been telling them for about three years that I'm, I'm leaving and I'm going to be going. But he gets real serious here and he keeps 
telling them through this whole discourse that uh, the counselor is going to come, one is going to come after me, the helper, I'm going to leave you, but there's one that will come after me. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. But it's through this that you can understand these disciples, these followers of Jesus, even in their finite minds and not understanding how everything's going to go, that they begin to struggle. And they begin to have their, maybe their doubts and their worries and their fears about what's going to happen. And so we get to John 14, and Jesus offers them th- these words and this remedy. It says this, This is Jesus speaking to the disciples in the upper room. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. And in verse 5, it says Thomas, he, he's uh, one of Jesus' disciples, and he's the one who likes to ask questions. Uh, you might know him as Doubting Thomas, you know, because he's always, you know, wants to, a little more information, you know, wants to ask the questions here. And, and so Thomas comes out, and he says this in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And, and, and that was kind of one of those questions like, come on, Thomas, I mean, you should know where he's going. Jesus has foreshadowed his his death, his burial, his resurrection, that he comes from the heavenly father. I mean, you should kind of put these pieces together. And I don't know if the other disciples rolled their eyes, what what Thomas says here, or if they were, you know, what's Jesus going to say? But he says, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. And so Jesus himself declares right there that he is not a way to get to the heavenly father. He is the way to get to the heavenly father. And he is the truth and he is the life. And he's explaining here to the disciples that believing in him is the only way to go in life. It's the only way and direction that you need to go if you want to come to the heavenly father. And this will literally set the direction of those disciples' lives forever. Elsewhere, Jesus also describes himself as a door. Uh, is not only the way, but the door that people must walk through in order to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. In John uh, chapter 10, verse 9, uh, Jesus said, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see, belief and faith in Jesus is the way to a relationship with God. Now, I want to look at another passage this morning. So if you're in, in uh, John 14, if you'll turn over the book of Acts, book of Acts chapter 22. If you're using one of our Bibles that we've provided for you this morning, just turn it to page 931. You'll be right there at Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. You can also follow along in our app. Just download uh, uh, the Oakwood app, and you can follow along with all the notes and the scriptures there for you today. But Acts 22, beginning with verse 1. Now, uh, the apostle Paul here has caused a stir, which he did so many times as a, as a dedicated um, follower of Jesus and somebody who is very um, passionate about his faith. And uh, this time, he, he's kind of had a problem with the Jews, and he is um, standing before a crowd. And, and they had just said, I think in the, in the verse before, um, that, that uh, they wanted to take him away. And he was trying to say, hey, I'm one of you. And so he gets to this point in verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 22. And he says, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. He's giving a defense of who he is in Christ Jesus and the faith that he has come to. 
In verse two, it says, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, now this was a big deal because uh, the Roman influence, the Roman occupation, everything that was going on, they were all speaking um, Greek through the process that you may have studied in history called Hellenization. So Greek was the language of the day. Greek is actually the language that the New Testament was written in. But it's, it's neat to point out here that Paul starts speaking to the Jews in their original homeland language, which which was Hebrew. And so when he said it and he spoke in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. That bustling crowd that was like kind of agitated at Paul, they became even more quiet. And he said this, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are to this day. And he's talking about, uh, he's zealous for God like the Sanhedrin. You know, he, was, he was a member of the Jewish uh, ruling, ruling council. And then, he, and then he said this, in verse four, don't miss this. I persecuted this way, with a capital W. He said, I persecuted this way, to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. So anybody that was following the way, and most scholars believe as we get into the book of Acts and uh, Christians are, are alluded to and referred to as followers of the way, that actually came from that time in the upper room, that the disciples remembered that Jesus said, I am the way, and that kind of stuck with them. And so here is a reference to it in Acts 22 that, they're follow, that, that he would persecute it this way. And then look what he says in verse six. Paul goes on. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now, I, I said it with emphasis, but I want to make sure we don't miss this. What happens in verse 6? Because Paul had a mission. He even had the religious types, the Sanhedrin the Jewish council, he, he was a Pharisee amongst other Pharisees, and he was one that was going to set the world right. No one was going to be following Jesus. Nobody was going to be following the way. They didn't even believe Jesus was the way. And he was making that clear. And I want you to notice there in verse 6, he says, I was on my way. I think that's the danger for a lot of us. If we could be honest this morning, maybe that's where you've been in life. I'm going my way. I'm going my direction in life. And for some of you, you'd have to pause and step back and say, well, how's that working for me? That I'm going my way instead of the way that he refers to back in verse four. You know, it's, it's the, the, this, this word, the way, whether it's capitalized or not, is the same word in John 14 as it is here in Acts 22. And throughout the book of Acts, we're going to read some of those scriptures here in just a moment. When it refers to the way, it's always the same word. It's this Greek word, hodos, and, and it means a road or path of progress, a route or a distance, also a journey. 
But every time that word appears, it has this directional sense to it, that you are moving a certain direction in life, and whether it's with distance or whether it's a path or a route, that you are making progress as you go down this way. Now, like Thomas, there's a lot of us that are wondering, how do we get there? How do we get there? I said, I want to go that way. And a lot like Saul turned Paul, some of us may be heading down a path of destruction in complete opposition to God's will. But I want to tell you this morning that it's never too late. If you are alive this morning, then God is not done with you yet, and you still have hope. And in the book of Acts, it's interesting because the early believers that referred to themselves as followers of the way, with a capital W most of the time, it meant everything to them because it literally changed the whole course of their life. It's as if they were going their own way, or as the Apostle Paul said, my way, and when they turned and they went the way, it changed everything for them. I want to look at some of those uh, scriptures, Acts chapter 9, verse 2. It says, and they asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, either men or women, he might bring them bound back to Jerusalem. In Acts 16, verse 7, it says, and this is an interesting uh, story here in Acts 16, there's actually a girl who's demon-possessed, and, and through her demon possession, she has the power to tell fortunes and to predict the future. And so some of the bad guys were actually kind of farming her out and making some money on the side uh, of putting this girl out that she could predict the future through demonic means. And so uh, she is, has this encounter with Paul and, and some of the apostles, and it says that she followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. In Acts 19, verse 9, it says, but when some became stubborn and continued in their unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannius. In Acts chapter 19, verse 23, it says, About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. In Acts 22, verse 4, it says, I persecuted this way to the, de to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. In Acts 24, 14, it says, But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down in the law and written by the prophets. In Acts 24, verse 22, it says, But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysisius, the tribune, comes down, I will then decide your case. In all these different instances and in all these different stories throughout the book of Acts, where you see these references to Jesus' followers and Christians being Followers of the way, it's that same word every time. It's talking about the actual directional change in their life. And I want you to notice what's happening around those. In Acts 9-2, it says, bring them bound to Jerusalem. In Acts 16-17, it's a demonic-possessed girl that is calling out that they're servants of the Most High God. In Acts 19, verse 9, it says, they became stubborn and continued in their unbelief. In Acts 19, 23, it says, there arose no little disturbance. In Acts 22, verse 4, it says, binding and delivering them to prison, both the men and the women. In Acts 24, 14, it calls them a sect, showing us divisiveness. Acts 24, 22, it says that he put them off. Do you see? There's this negativity, it seems, that fights against the way. And it's because humans want to go our way. A self-made man and I will go my way. And I control the destination of my life. No, you don't. 
Jesus is the way. And I think that was very meaningful to these followers. When they said that, it wasn't some cute term that was coined in the upper room that they just wanted to carry on as a tradition. This meant something to them. This literally was the way of life for them. And this first generation of Christians understood that this way affected everything. Not just their outward religious practices, but how they understood, how they viewed, and even lived their entire life. It was a direction for life. It was a new way. And what I want you to understand this morning is Jesus is the way of life that we all desire. Anybody that would would come to me and ask, you know, I don't like this about my life. I'm telling you, Jesus is the way. And if you wanted to discover personal direction in your life, life not only here on earth, the temporary life, but the life even eternal, then you need to find the way the direction, the progress. Because every person, and look around the room right now, every person in here really wants to know two things. Where am I going and how will I get there? Where am I going in life and how will I get there? Here's the bottom line this morning. Your destination is determined by direction and not intention. Your destination is determined by direction and not intention. And if you don't get anything else out of the sermon this morning, I want you to remember this, that your destination, where you are going to end up in life, is determined by the direction that you're moving and not by the intention. Now, this is true in many areas and facets of life. You can think of this, this is true financially. Oh, you know, I intended to to save some money back for repairs um, in case something happened, but I I, I wasn't prepared. I didn't actually do it. I intended to do it, but I didn't move that way. I didn't go that direction. This is the same thing relationally. It's the same thing professionally. Well, I, I really intended to do better at my job so I could grow and get a new position someday, or maybe even put in charge of something someday. But, you know, I intended to do that, but I didn't move that direction, and so it didn't happen. This is the same academically. This is the same even spiritually, that we're either moving a direction Or we intend to move the direction, but we don't ever actually go there. Now, no one disagrees with this principle when it is applied to something physical. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Let's say you want to go to the OU Texas game, okay? You're going to the OU Texas game, and so you drive outside of Enid. Anybody that's in Enid, uh, you drive out to I-35, right? You're going to drive out to Interstate 35. And if you go out to I-35 and you turn north, you will never make it to the Red River rivalry. Why? Because Dallas is south, okay? Now, I'm telling you what, you could have all the best intentions in the world. You could have on your OU getup. You could have on a ball cap and an OU t-shirt. And, and I mean, you got it all decked out. You could have your tailgating supplies there. You got your OU grill that plugs into the hitch on your truck. And, and you've got your OU blankets. And I mean, you're ready to go. You've got your headphones so you can listen to the right side of the calls for the game. I mean, you are prepared. You've got your whole family. You've got your tickets. You can even pray about your experience. You should pray, Lord, give me traveling mercies, right? Give me traveling mercies as I go to the OU. Texas game, but if you drive to I-35 and you head north instead of south, guess what? You're not going to be there. With all the best intentions and prayers in the world, you will not end up in Dallas and you will not see the game. Why? Because your direction determines your destination. And it all, it's all about your direction. It's not about your intentions. 
Because you are well-intentioned people. That is why you're here this morning. Because you're well-intentioned people. You want a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to find out what's wrong maybe in your life. You, you want to worship God. You want to love God. You want to draw closer to him. You want to learn something about him. And so you are well-intentioned people. But why do some Christians grow and grow and become mature and look more like Jesus every day and some don't? Some are like, you know, sour pusses. I don't know what their problem is. Always grumpy or in a frown on their face. Always rah, rah, rah. Negative, negative, negative. And it's like, what's the difference between those people? Is that some of them intended, but they just didn't go the direction. And so we need to understand that what determines the direction in your life and in my life, it's determined by direction and the way that you go and not the intention of where you go. Now, let me give you a couple more examples of this, okay? If you're, if you're married today and you're a married couple, I've never counseled or done a wedding for anyone that says this about their future marriage. Man, I hope that I marry this person and I hope that in like five years or 20 years, we just hate each other and that we don't enjoy life together at all. I, I hope that we don't get along. We fight every day. And, you know, that's absurd. We're going to laugh about that a little bit and smile because why? Because that's absurd. Everybody wants, when they get married, they want what? They want to be, what, happy. They want to be fulfilled. They believe that person will make their life, what? Happy and better. And so they come in and they have these intentions. Because we intend that we're going to have a happy marriage. We intend that we're going to stay happily ever after, right? We actually intend that we're going to stay married forever. We're not going to get a divorce and, and we're not going to become one of, the, one of, the, one of the, the statistics out there. No, we're going to, we're married with the intention that we're going to stay together forever. But then they started moving a direction and the direction wasn't the same as they intended. No, maybe sometimes in marriage we could say, I, I went my way. I didn't go the way. I didn't follow Jesus. I just want my own direction in life. Maybe for some of you, you're single. And maybe your, your thought of your future and your intended destination is maybe you're one of those that's happy being single. And maybe you're one of those people that's single, but you really want to get married. I mean, that's your destination. Someday I'm going to get married. But you have been in relationships that are hardly following the way. You've gone your own way. You've gotten into some relationships where you're doing some things that are not pure, you're doing some things with people and you can't figure out, you know, why it isn't working. And you're, you said things in your mind. You actually said this stuff to yourself that, oh, my picker must be broke. You know, I'm just, nothing ever works out for me. Could it be that your direction is not the right direction? That the destination you've arrived at is because you haven't been following the way. Instead, you've been following your way. Let's, let's talk about it in, a, in another vein, too. Let's talk about it academically. That you have every intention. Man, I'm going I'm to go to college. I'm going to graduate high school. In fact, I'm going to make straight A's in high school. That's my intention. And I'm going to get a full-ride scholarship. That's my intention. I'm going to get real high on my ACT. And I'm going to go off to college. And I'm going to study this. And I'm going to be the best at everything. And that could be your intention. But guess what? If you're not studying, if you're not following the direction to get you there, Where's your destination going to be? Well, that's not what I intended. <laughs> For a lot of us, that's not what we intended. But it's where we are. Why? Because it's the direction that determines the destination, not the intention. No one intends to end up far from their desired destination. Will that be financially, relationally, professionally? 
No one says, oh, hey, I want to be here, but I know I'm going to end up over here and would consciously move that way. But I find myself when I hear the stories thinking this could have been avoided. Yeah, there's things in life that you have no control over and that you, you know, it just happens. You don't deserve it. You didn't do anything wrong. But there's a lot of cause and effect in life. Sometimes I hear stories. I think that could have been avoided. And I've met countless people that think that their good intentions will direct their life, and it just doesn't. It never gets you there. You see, whatever captures your attention steers your life in a direction for good or for bad. Whatever captures your attention steers your direction in a direction for good or for bad in life. Now, let me explain what I mean by this, okay? I'm going to tell you a story about a person I know. Her name is Amy McCreary. Amy McCreary, when I met her, captured my attention. You ever had that where, you know what I mean, when someone captures your attention, someone grabs your attention, something grabs you, it's like, have your attention, please, you've got it. Okay, I'd gone through a season where I had dated several girls, and, and, and I, I just was just unfulfilled, and, and I got to this point where I was like, God, I, I want to find the one. I feel like I'm wasting my time, or I'm going about it the wrong way. I'm super frustrated. And so I actually took a, a time off my sophomore year at Bible college and, and just decided I am not going to date anyone. Just going to focus on the Lord. I'm going to do my studies, focus on my future ministry, uh, let God grow me. And yeah, I want to be married someday, but I'm not going to try to make it happen on my own. And it was about seven months into that game plan for my life that I met Amy McCreary, and my life changed because she grabbed my attention. See, there's some things in life that'll grab your attention. And some of will lead you to something good and something bad. And in Amy's case, it's something good. I've got, uh, I've got a, a marriage going to be 22 years in 10 days. Uh, which is awesome, and, and uh, we've got uh, three, three daughters, three little lives brought into the world, and that changed my direction. It, it grabbed my attention, and it was a good thing. But we need to be able to pay attention to what's grabbing our attention and what's capturing us sometimes. Because sometimes the thing or the person that grabs or captures your attention can lead you down a good path. But sometimes that person that grabs or captures your attention can lead you down a bad path. But there's another side to this that I want us to, to understand this morning. And that is that sometimes our attention isn't something that just we're captured or grabbed by it. But you ever heard the term that you need to what? Pay attention, right? That you need to give more of your attention to this. And so it is something that can be captured, but it's also, also something that we pay attention to or that we give. Let me give you an example of that this morning, maybe for some of you. Like, like this morning, it's coming to church, Right? Coming to church to learn and to worship and, and hopefully to be challenged to, to move to a deeper level in our spiritual walk. And maybe, maybe we've grabbed your attention this morning. Maybe we've really captured it. But maybe, maybe it's more like you're just giving your attention. You're paying attention to this this morning. For, for some of you and maybe for some of our youth that are leaving for church camp today, it's church camp or Christ in Youth Conference. You choose to give your attention. You're going to give a whole week and you're going to give your attention to something that is going to influence your life in a positive direction for God. You're giving attention to something or someone good. You can also do this in, in other realms of life, like your academic studies. You can give attention to it. It may not capture your attention, may not grab your attention, but you are being disciplined. You're actually studying the material. You're preparing for your tests. You're doing and completing your homework, and you're turning it in, and it's setting a what? A direction in your life, because why? Because I'm paying attention to it. So let's pull it all together here. Whatever you give 
attention to will influence the direction to the destination. Whatever you give attention to will influence the direction to the destination. Whether it captures you and it grabs your attention or whether you're paying attention to it. Now, I want you to think about this in terms of, let's just, just, just go back this past week, okay? What did you give most attention to this week? Because that's going to determine the direction that you're moving in life. What did you give the most attention to this week? You see, for a lot of us, we say we're Christ followers and we're disciples, and I want to be like Paul in the Bible, and I, I want to be like a, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And so we, we, we think about our week. It's like, how much attention did you give? Did you pay attention to the Lord this week? And some of us, you know, were like, well, I did a Devo for two minutes in the morning. I read the Paul David Tripp thing that we've been reading together. To I did that. I even prayed for my lunch. Okay? But if I were looking at your week, what did you give the most attention to? Was it that? Was it an activity? Was it a hobby? Was it some kind of thing you're doing at your job? You see, those things aren't bad. I mean, you may be obsessed with the sport or, or really like spending time doing some things, and those things aren't bad things. But if they have your full attention, then you are there setting a direction and a course in your life that is not moving you toward the way. It's a way, but it is not the way in life. I challenge you this morning to think about what am I giving most of my attention Two, whether, and, and to be careful for what captures your attention and maybe distracts you from God and your relationship with him. You see, Paul's testimony of his conversion involved him being on his way to do what? To do what he wanted to do. And then Jesus comes to him and all of a sudden it changes everything, which is what happens so many, so many times when you meet Jesus. You know, he didn't even realize in his heart that the God he was trying to serve, he was actually opposing him the whole time. But it was because of God's grace that Jesus, his son, grabbed Paul's attention. He rescued him out and he showed him the way, the direction to go in life. And that's why we have to remember as we begin this series together, your destination is determined by direction and not intention. In this world of great intentions, we still have to be strategic and think through what direction are we moving in life. Because those of us who are heading toward a destination called disaster, even unaware of it sometimes, today you can find hope by following the way. By changing your direction and going God's way, God's invitation to you is to leave your way of life and to move toward his and become a follower like Paul did, a follower of the way. But maybe some of you feel like, oh, I've already arrived. <laughs> it's too late. Destination disaster. That's my life right now. And I want you to hear me this morning that that's tough. I know it's tough. And, and, and you may have some part of it, but you may not have you may not have had the whole part in it. It's, 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 it's not brought upon you just because you sinned and walked away from God. But maybe if you're honest and you take a step back and you look at it, you say, but there was a direction that I chose to go that wasn't the way. It was my way. I didn't make God a priority. I didn't make the spiritual life a priority. 
But I want you to know that it's not too late. If you're still breathing this morning, then you can choose the way today. And you can choose a new direction that leads to a better destination. We're going to come to a time of invitation this morning. And the invitation is for maybe some of you to trust Jesus and to follow the way for the very first time in your life. What an exciting decision. In first service this morning, we actually got to see a lady. Her name was Angel. Angel found the Lord Jesus Christ last week and was baptized into Christ Jesus this morning. And what a time of celebration because she followed the way. But there's also an invitation this morning for those of you, if you're honest, you'd say, I've, I made a decision to follow the way. I made that decision five years ago, 15 years ago. 35 years ago. But I haven't always lived faithfully. I haven't always moved that direction and my attention has been brought about to other things, the temporal things of this world. And Jesus is beckoning you this morning. Come and follow the way again because I am the way, the truth and the life and no one is going to come to the heavenly father except through me. And so it's a time to repent and to turn back to Jesus again today. But if you want to change your direction and go his way, then you've got to get on that road and you have to make a conscious decision that as you move through life, your direction will be the way. Let's pray.